Hello, good evening. Welcome to our evening service. It's really good to have you here. We've got a few families away as it's the summer holidays, um, but it's also great to have visitors coming here. So if you're a visitor, really good to have you with us. I hope you feel very welcome. And if you're watching online as well, maybe for the first time, great to have you online with us. Well, our pastor is away on holiday at the moment, uh, so we're very grateful to Tim Burden, who's come to join us from Eastbourne. Uh, He's come to join us today to preach for us, so thank you for coming. Thank you for opening up God's Word for us. We really appreciate it, and we're praying it will be a real blessing for us. This morning we looked at Knowing God's Love from Genesis 22, and tonight the title is Living in the World of Grace. So we're looking forward to hearing about that. I'm just going to pray and ask God to help us to worship and listen to him this evening. Father, we come before you now, and Lord, we just pray for your help. Lord, I pray that you would help us to worship you in our hearts this evening as we join together. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us to listen and take in what is being said. Help us to understand it. Lord, I pray that it would change us. Lord, I pray these things for your honour and your glory. Amen. Well, we're going to sing a song in a moment. I wonder if you've ever been blown away by God's love for you. Charles Wesley was. He wrote the song that we're just about to sing. And in the first verse, he asked some questions. Can it be that Jesus' blood was shed for me? Can it be that he died for me, even though I caused his pain and pursued him to death? How can it be that God died for me? It's amazing love. So let's stand and join with Charles Wesley in his amazement of God's love and let's sing this song.
Well, we've now got the privilege of praying, so let's spend some time in prayer. Oh, Lord God, we come before you in thankfulness. Lord, we thank you that many of us here can say that, that we've been freed from the prison of darkness. Lord, that our chains have gone, that we are free. Lord, that is what Jesus does for us. Lord, no condemnation, now I dread. Lord, I thank you for that. Lord, I pray that we would very much feel that, those of us who know you. Lord, I thank you that we can be alive in Jesus, clothed in his righteousness divine. Lord, it is completely undeserved. But Lord, it means that we can boldly approach you like we're doing now. So Lord, we thank you for Jesus. And Lord, for anyone here that doesn't know you, Lord, I pray that you would work in their heart that they too may be able to come boldly before you in your righteousness and say that they are free. Lord, we thank you so much for singing. Lord, it's such a special way to praise you. I thank you so much for it. I thank you for music. Lord, we praise you. Lord, I pray that you'd forgive us when we don't use the opportunity to sing well. Lord, I pray that you'd forgive us when we don't sing from our hearts, when we're distracted. Lord, I thank you that you don't mind if we're not the most tuneful. Lord, you don't require us to be a proper choir. Lord, you look at our hearts. And Lord, I pray that we would be singing full of praise, full of wonder. Lord, help us to do that if we are not. Lord, we do thank you for music. We thank you for praise and the opportunity to come together week by week and sing as a church. We thank you for that, for the way it honours you and the way it blesses us. Lord, we thank you so much for the summer. Lord, for the many opportunities it brings uh, for rest. Lord, many have been away. Uh, Lord, I pray for those who uh, are not having a holiday over this time. Lord, I pray that you bless them as they continue working. Lord, I thank you so much that there are so many opportunities over the summer to to spread the good news. Lord, your word says how beautiful are the feet of those who preach good news. And how will people believe if they've never heard? And Lord, we thank you for the summer that there are good opportunities to, to explain your word to people, to share what you're like, to share what we're like and how we need you and the fact that you can save us. Lord, we thank you so much for the the camps that we've had just recently. Uh, We thank you for the lighthouse work that we've had this last week and just the the number of people that came and the interest and the the love and the passion of the leaders. We thank you for the YP's work. Lord, we thank you so much for Beach Mission as well. Lord, we thank you that some of our people have been leading on that and again, just the opportunity that has and and the work that you've done both uh, in people they've met but also in them as you've grown them as they've served you. We thank you for that. Lord, we pray for fruit. Lord, I pray that people's lives would be changed. Lord, I pray that people would come to know you and know that true joy and satisfaction of knowing Jesus. Lord, there is nothing greater. I pray that they would find that out for themselves. Lord, I just thank you as well so much for the number of people who helped willingly, voluntarily, self-sacrificially, humbly, Lord, we thank you for the fact you've given us the church, your body on the earth. And Lord, I thank you that you've equipped people with different gifts. And Lord, through what you've done, Lord, you've made them very willing to help. And Lord, we just thank you for that. Lord, we couldn't do it without them and we praise you for them. Lord, we thank you so much for Charlie and Bex. Lord, we thank you so much for their wedding and for how special that day was. Lord, we thank you that they've been away, they've had a great time and that you've brought them safely back to us and we praise you for that. And Lord, I just pray that you'd be with them as they continue in their married life together. Lord, be close to them, Lord, as we prayed for them at their wedding. And Lord, help us to support them and to love them as a church and as individuals. Lord, we pray for John and Esther as well. Lord, as they go away for their summer break, Lord, we thank you for them. Lord, there are so many pressures and strains of pastoring a church of this size and preaching so regularly. Lord, we thank you for John, for his example, uh, for his desire to uh, show you and to be uh, your under-shepherd for this church. And Lord, I pray that you bless Esther as well. Thank you for her example. 
thank you for her support of John as well. Lord, do bless them. Refresh them. Refresh them physically, mentally, spiritually, I pray. That they may come back to us and serve us once again. And Lord, lastly, I just pray for Tim now. Lord, we thank you that he's been willing to come and uh, share your word with us. Lord, I thank you for the prep and the prayer that he's put in, for the um, experience you've given him, for the way you've helped him grow over so many years. And Lord, I pray that as he speaks to us tonight, Lord, that it may be useful. Lord, help us to listen. Help us to really take in what's being said, that it may do us good and it may refine us and make us more like you. Lord, teach us through Tim, I pray. May we hear your words tonight. Lord, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to sing again. Um, A big theme today has been God's love, and we're going to sing more about that. Now, loved with everlasting love. Uh, And then Tim is going to come and read for us after that. Reading from the Word of God this evening is from Romans and chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. When I was at uh, college and we came to the book of Romans, the lecturer asked the class, um, what's your favourite chapter from the book of Romans? And uh, to my embarrassment, I had no idea uh, the structure of the book of Romans and I couldn't pinpoint what my favourite chapter should have been. I think he was hoping that the class would say Romans chapter 5, because it uh, is the climax of the first part and it introduces the whole of the second. Uh, So we're going to read Romans chapter 5, which could become uh, your favourite chapter in the book of Romans. Uh, I think that's a bit impossible because of the wonderful content of the whole book. But Romans chapter 5 And verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace 
with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, not knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if, while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son, much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not counted where there is no law. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. But the free gift is not like the trespass. For many died through one man's trespass. Much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. And the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin. For the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation. But the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. For if because of one man's trespass death reigned through that one man, much more were those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. Now, the law came in to increase the trespass. But where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. So that, as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. This is the word of the Lord and we thank him for it. I'm very much looking forward to Tim explaining more about Romans 5 for us soon. But before that we're going to sing and I'm just going to read the chorus. Now none but Christ can satisfy, none other name for me. There's love and life and lasting joy, Lord Jesus, found in thee.
Our text from God in his word this evening is Romans chapter 5 and verse 2. Romans chapter 5 and verse 2. Through him, the Lord Jesus Christ, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we're looking at this uh, text and this chapter under the title of Living in the World of Grace. It's a kind of aspirational sermon. Uh, I would like to know much more about living in the world of grace. And uh, so I've explored a little bit about it and want us all to enter into something more of this world of grace. In C.S. Lewis's uh, book, The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe, uh, Lucy Pevensey opens the door of a wardrobe in Professor Kirk's home. And uh, she climbs in to hide from those who are pursuing her. And she finds herself entering into the magical world of Narnia. And so the adventure of the book begins. And the Christian is a person who has entered uh, into a new world, fleeing from the wrath to come. They have come to the door, the Lord Jesus Christ. I am the door, he says. And they've entered through the Lord Jesus Christ and they have entered a whole new world, the world of grace. Not a magical world, but the real world of God's undeserved love and God's flow of love and strength and power and mercy towards us. They find that it was God's grace uh, that pursued them to the door, to Christ. God, as it were, chasing them down, uh, making sure they made their way to Jesus and making sure that they entered through the Lord Jesus Christ as they fled from the wrath of God. And it's as they come through the Lord Jesus Christ that they enter into this world of God's remarkable grace. And that's what our text is telling us. Through our Lord Jesus, we have also obtained access, or we have been introduced by faith into this grace in which we stand. Uh, many athletes who uh, this past week have stood on the, the podium uh, as gold medalists, they don't just, they won't stand there for the next uh, year or four years or whenever it is to the next European Games, Commonwealth Games or whatever it is. But that, that's their standing. They're the European champion. They're the Commonwealth champion. They're the gold medalist. That's their standing. And the Christian is a person who stands and lives with this glorious joy of being in the world of God's grace. Lucy Pevensey went back and forth to Narnia. But the Christian doesn't go back and forth into the world of grace, out of the world of grace, into the world of grace, out of the world of grace. No. We stand. This is our position. So a Christian is a person who has entered through the door, the Lord Jesus Christ, the living door, into the world, the realm of God's grace. And that's where they are. That's where they stand. That's where they live and move and breathe and have their being. If you're not yet in it, in this wonderful world of grace, then I want you to see this evening the importance of being in this world of grace. And for those of you who are in the realm of grace, it's good to be reminded of these things. Uh, Peter, as he wrote his... Uh, second letter in chapter 3 and verse 1 he says I'm, I'm just writing to stir up your pure minds by way of reminder and we can all get to the point I get to the point in my Christian life and I'm sure many of you get to the point in your Christian life 
sometimes when you feel that what's happened to my Christian life? It's become empty, it's become stale, powerless, almost meaningless. Where is the blessedness which once I knew when first I saw the Lord? Where is the soul-refreshing view of Jesus and his word? It's the words of William Cooper or Cowper, I leave you to your own pronunciation. Where is it? We can grow stale. It's because we've lost sight of living in this world of grace. And here in Romans 5 is the green pastures of the world of God's grace. And we can graze on grace in this chapter to our heart's content. And not become bloated on the feast, but uh, live upon the grace that we find here. So first of all, what's so special about the realm of grace that you, if you're not in it, ought to be in it? It's lovely when you're uh, on holiday, you can go uh, walking in the hills, you can climb to viewpoints, or you can drive if you're not up to the walking and the climbing. And as you climb, you, you, you get different viewpoints which give you a partial uh, outlook on the countryside. You go a bit higher, you get a different aspect and a different angle. And then when you get to the top, you get this sort of 360 degree view. Amazing. And here, as we come to our text, we've, we've passed two viewpoints already of this world of grace. And then in our text, we come to this sort of 360 degree viewing point as we get to verse 2 you go through verse 1 and you get this viewpoint of the world of grace just a sort of partial viewpoint we have been justified by faith that's a wonderful part of this world of grace justified what does it mean to be justified I was in uh, Kenya earlier in the year teaching about justification and I taught something that my Sunday school teacher taught me but the African students just were not getting it until my wife helped me uh, to say look, Tim, don't just say the same thing all over again don't say it louder, don't say it slower they won't get it because they don't understand the, the way you've abbreviated the word when my Sunday school teacher taught me he said it's just as if I'd never sinned. God looks upon me, justified, never sinned. So justified means justified, never sinned. That's what it looks like from God's point of view. I'm, I'm still riddled with sin, but just as if I'd never sinned in God's sight. They didn't get the abbreviation of I'd. Just as if I had never sinned. To be like that in the sight of God. For God to look upon you and he looks upon you as if, just as if you were absolutely pure, clean. No stains of sin there at all. But it's more than that. Because it's just as if I'd perfectly done everything God wanted me to do or ever could want me to do. It's just as if I'd fulfilled all of his demands. Even paid for all my sins. It's just as if I was perfectly righteous in his sight. And so we stand in this world of grace and the view, one of the viewpoints is, look, we who stand in this world of grace, we have been justified. God looks upon us as perfectly clean. He looks upon us as perfectly righteous with him having to make no more demands of further obedience additional obedience it's all there complete that's a wonderful place to be and if you're not there you ought to be there that's what it means to enter through the door of the Lord Jesus Christ because it's through Jesus that we are justified we have been justified by faith through our Lord Jesus Christ it's through Jesus Christ crucified that our sins and the stains of them are washed away. 
It's through Jesus Christ and him crucified that he completes a perfect righteousness. The climax of his obedient life. He's obeyed the Father. He, he died in our place, but he obeyed the Father in our place as well. So his perfect obedience then becomes available as a gift to everyone who comes to him. So we come to this door, fleeing from the wrath to come. Jesus, the door, through whom we get forgiven, through whom we get clothed, washed clean and clothed in righteousness. It's beautiful. That's the realm of grace. Uh, One viewpoint, just, just one viewpoint. We move on and it says, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. You may feel as cool as anybody could be. Life is just great. You think. There's no problem in your mind. Everything's hunky-dory. But there's something maybe you don't know about. I remember being at the, the Aberystwyth conference one year when Stuart Elliott was preaching. And uh, in his inimitable way, he opened his sermon and says, I'm going to tell you about your biggest problem. And everybody's sitting there thinking, oh, my biggest problem. My sin. He said, your biggest problem is God. He shocked everybody. And why should God be my biggest problem? Because God is a God who is angry at your sin. It's not your sin that's the biggest problem. It's dealing with the wrath of God that's your biggest problem. God is your big problem. But grace means we have peace with this God. A wonderful thing. Peace with God. His wrath satisfied by the death of his son. And then we, coming through the door, Christ can have peace with God. God's wrath come. The storm of his wrath gone away. It's a wonderful thing. You may be as riddled with guilt as the worst case of woodworm that you have ever seen is riddled with woodworm. You feel like that sometimes? You remember the Apostle Paul, he said that he was the chief of sinners. The chief of sinners. And there are times in our lives when we think, all those people in the church, they're so good. And me, I'm so bad, riddled with sin. But there's this wonderful peace with God. He is not angry anymore with those who have come to him through his son. His wrath has been taken away. There is peace. We sang a hymn, didn't we? Heaven above is softer blue, earth around is sweeter green. Something lives in every hue Christless eyes have never seen. Oh, this bliss of being at peace with God and knowing that everything is or right between me and God. And to live in the joy of that fellowship is a wonderful thing of grace. The Bible tells us, as far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. He's promised that their sins and iniquities I will remember no more. He blots out their transgressions, Isaiah says, and then he repeats it later on in just a few chapters, the next chapter, He's blotted out their transgression like a thick cloud. It's like, this is Pooh Bear country, isn't it? And uh, I'm only a little black rain cloud. Pay no attention to little me. Well, this dark black cloud of our sin hanging over us. We can't but pay attention to it. But God blots it out. Takes away the thick cloud of our sin. It's gone. All sunshine from heaven down upon us. 
He would cast their sins, all their sins, into the depths of the sea. Now, without stepping through the door, you will never know anything of justification. You will still remain guilty, condemned, Without stepping through the door, you will never know God at peace with you. Never. Ever. That's why this realm of grace is so important. It's why it's so essential for you to step through Jesus Christ, to trust Jesus Christ crucified, so that you can enjoy this world of grace and love. So we've got these two viewpoints. This world of grace, the world of justification. This world of grace, the world of peace with God. We climb higher and we come to this sort of 360 degree viewpoint. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. Into all of this This is where we stand. This is where we live. This is our world. The world of grace for those who have come through the Lord Jesus Christ. Often in a a viewpoint you get these sort of brass plaques and it has these arrows on it. Say, this direction, look there. This direction, so many kilometres. And it, it tells you how far it is to that point. And then you also get engraved on the, the brass plaque these sort of view of the horizon, what, the shapes, and you can sort of discern what they are. And from verse 2, you've got these sort of arrows pointing out into this chapter, arrows pointing to verses in this world of grace. Verse 2, hope. Verse 3 and 4, Rejoicing in suffering. Verse 5, love. Verse 10, life. Verse 14 onwards, the gift, the free gift of God. And then you get these uh, features uh, engraved in the chapter. The features of the joyful hill of hope. The fruitful valley of suffering. The Niagara Falls of God's love. The ridge of reconciliation. The twin peaks of Adam and Christ. The rolling hills of the gifts of grace. So it's a world of grace. You can survey it as you read through the chapter. And we can perhaps just uh, glimpse on some of these points. The hope of glory. We, as we are in this grace... Rejoice in hope of the glory of God. I remember being in Ethiopia, uh, teaching a class. It was the last class before we had to leave to catch the plane. And uh, there was a lecture that I really enjoy. Uh, if you've got Burkhoff or some other systematic theology, you will know about the two natures of Jesus Christ. But there's another section called the two states of Jesus Christ the humiliation of Jesus and the glory of Jesus. And this lecture was about the two states of Jesus, the humiliation of Jesus and then the glorification of Jesus. And I remember as teaching it, getting to a point where I was thinking of the glory of Jesus Christ in the future. When Jesus is going to be manifested in glory, he will return from heaven in all the glory of his angels and he will be glorified in his saints. And the, the, the scene uh, moved me quite a lot in, in the lecture. As I thought about it, the, the Jesus seeing the, the fruit of all his sufferings and seeing himself glorified in his people and them sharing his glory. We rejoice in hope of the glory of God. There's a change a change in us. Before we were enemies of God, we had no interest in worshipping God. We had the, in the prayer about the joy of singing, singing from the heart, singing for the glory of God. 
And there, there's a time when uh, got no interest for us. Why, why should I glorify God? But in grace, when we come into the, this world of grace, there's this change within us where we have this hope of God's going to be glorified. The earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God as the waters cover the sea. How incomprehensible is that? But it's going to happen. And the Christian is a person who lives in hope of the glory of God being manifested. The hills of the hope of glory. This is where we live as people in the realm of grace. Hoping, longing for the time when God will be glorified and fully glorified. And then this uh, fruitful valley of suffering. How the Christian in their experience of God's grace has a different attitude to suffering. Uh, Paul Mallard has written these books about invest in your suffering. And there are a number of books that talk about the usefulness of suffering. Joseph, when he was in Egypt, he said, I've been fruitful in my affliction. And he names his, one of his children after that thought. And here, Paul says, more than that, we rejoice in our sufferings. We rejoice in our sufferings. In Corinthians, he talks about his life, shipwrecked, beaten several times with rods, imprisoned, hungry, thirsty, naked, desperate. He says, yet these just light afflictions. And they're working for us a far more eternal and heavy weight of glory. He has a whole different attitude to suffering. There was a, a man uh, I met in Cyprus at one of the Murph meetings from Sudan. From a Muslim country. And he, I asked him, aren't you afraid of what might happen to you? He said, well, what... What might they do? They might put me in prison for 10 years. But what's that? For Christ. It's a completely different attitude to, to suffering. They, they embrace the suffering. And here, Paul is saying, in this world of grace, we think of suffering in a different way. We think of suffering as a productive thing. Over the past year, had a difficult thing to deal with in terms of disagreements between people and some have said well it's all due to personality and character and then, then, then they were saying well you, you've got to make a difference between personality and character and there is a difference uh, personality is what you are by nature that's your personality Character is something which is developed and produced. It's a bit like nature and nurture, isn't it? By nature, you're born like that, but by nurture, you're trained to do this. And Paul is saying, you know, suffering builds character. It transforms you. And that's what grace is all about, transforming us into characters which are more characteristic of Jesus Christ. And here he says, more than that, we rejoice in suffering, knowing that suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character. And character produces hope. And hope doesn't put us to shame. If God takes us into the workshop of suffering, I was reading a lovely book called Christian Experience, and one of the chapters, the man who's writing, I think it's Eric Alexander, says he went to a conference and in the, in the hotel where the conference delegates were staying there were electric wires hanging out of the wall there was dust sheets around and almost all over the, the hotel there were notices please be patient uh, we are a work in progress and he, he felt that was so appropriate for his uh, conference talks we are a work in progress. Please be patient. And that's what God is doing. We, with every Christian, 
every Christian is a work in progress. God is developing your character. He's the, the Michelangelo of uh, sculpting new characters. We, we can be like marble sometimes in our resistance to God's moulding and he has to come with his chisels to, to knock away the excess and leave behind some Christ-like beauty. And so the Christian, when we begin to suffer, Paul says, in this world of grace, we embrace the suffering, knowing that it produces character. This is God's workshop. We are a work in progress, and God is working on us. So this wonderful world of grace, where we are the raw materials, as it were, that God is shaping into Christ-likeness. Are you in this workshop? Is God chipping away at you and developing you? Are you embracing that experience of God changing you? It's the world of grace. And then as you move on, you come to this Niagara Falls of God's love. The love of God, he says, has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. The Holy Spirit is given to us, but there's a ministry of the Holy Spirit which perhaps is more sporadic and I don't know when you last experienced it. When you had such a Spirit-given joy in the love of God to you. The Holy Spirit who was resident all the time pouring out in your heart a sense of the love of God. And you have this great store of the, the love of God ready to be poured into your heart. And Paul then begins to open up what this love of God is like. When we were weak, when we were without strength, when we were still sinners, even when we were enemies, God's love was flowing directly towards us. Christ died for the ungodly. He died for the weak. He died for the sinners. He died for his enemies. Scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Some would perhaps die for a good person. I saw that even the Christianity Explored was advertised on the screen this morning. And in one of the earlier versions of Christianity Explored, uh, Rico Tice talks about a man uh, who was in the cold waters of the river and the helicopters were hovering over rescuing people from the water. The harness came down to him but he didn't put it on and it went up back to the helicopter. came back down, he didn't put it on again. He went back up to the helicopter. The helicopter sent the, the harness down again to lift him out of the water. He didn't put it on again. What was going on? Well, when the harness came down, this man put it on somebody else, helped somebody else into the harness. And that person was taken up to safety in the helicopter. The harness came down, the man wrapped it around somebody else, and they were rescued. But when it came down for him, he was so exhausted, so weak, he just couldn't put the harness on himself. And he died. He didn't know the characters of the people, whether they were righteous, good people that he was saving. But he was giving his life to to save them. For good people, some would even dare to die. I'm sure he was a Christian, knowing that if he died, he would go to be with Christ, which was far better and saving these people so that they could hear the gospel. God's love is a love which flows to the weak, to the ungodly, to the sinful, to those who are adamantly hostile to him. Paul says, let no one doubt the mercy of God. He was merciful to me. I was a blasphemer. I would blaspheme God Oh, he loved the God that he imagined God to be. But the real God, 
the God revealed in Scripture, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the God of salvation by grace, he was so hostile to you. He persecuted the church. He voted for the death and execution of different ones. But God was merciful to him. This love of God, this flow of the, the, the oceans, as it were, of this eternal love flowing over the precipice by the Holy Spirit being poured out into our hearts. This is the world of grace to be known or to know the love of God poured in our hearts. Oh, to know that more and more. It's the world of grace. And then the the world of grace, the, the, the ridge of reconciliation it's quite nice and bracing to, to walk up on that uh, Stanage Ridge. Uh, you remember Elizabeth Bennett in Pride and Prejudice uh, standing on the ridge and rejoicing in the breeze and the freshness. And you can walk up there for hours and enjoy it. And here is this ridge of reconciliation. Verse 11. More than that, we rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we have now received reconciliation. It's the, 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 the double-sided part of peace, as it were. God at peace with us, his anger is subsided, but then our enmity could still exist when God is reaching out in peace towards us. But then, for the Spirit to come and change our hearts and for us to receive this reconciliation, to be, to be bound in peace with God, it's, it's a wonderful thing to, to no longer be angry at God, no longer to be hostile to God, but to be at peace towards him as well as peace from him. The refreshing ridge of reconciliation. And then the twin peaks of Adam and Christ. We are saved by the life of Jesus Christ. And Paul then says, Jesus is so significant, Christ is so significant, and he takes us to these twin peaks as the two perfect men, Adam and Christ. One remains perfect and supplies salvation. The other falls and brings condemnation to everyone associated with him. And these twin peaks, one remaining in darkness, shadow, doom, and death. That's not the realm of grace. That's beyond the realm of grace. But in the realm of grace is Jesus. And life. And light. And hope. So as in Adam all die. Even so in Christ shall all be made alive. And he he points out that's the reality of this world. Adam was the first man created in the image of God. Adam fell in rebellion against God. And so sin entered into the world. That's how sin is here. Why does everybody die? It's because sin entered into the world and death by sin. How did it come in? It came in through this one man, Adam. That's why everybody dies. Because in the eyes of God, everybody is linked to Adam. Joined to Adam. Legally their standing is in Adam. You might argue with that. Say that doesn't seem fair to me. But it's the way God has operated in the world. And it's practically working out as everybody dies. There are no exceptions. Everybody sins. Everybody dies. Because everybody is linked to that one man. Adam. But in contrast to that deep, dark, doomed range of hills, there is this peak of Christ. Because just as everybody dies who's linked to Adam, everybody who comes through the door and is united to Jesus Christ lives. Condemnation is lifted. Death is taken away. Life is given. And then Paul contrasts these gifts. The gift of grace so different from the transgression. The gift of 
grace is so different because the transgression was so restricted. So justly and righteously restricted. God is so restrained in his judgment. But God is so unrestrained in his mercy. It's abounding. He says, no, the free gift is not like the trespass. The trespass was through one man's transgression. But much more the grace of God and the free gift abounds to many. It was through one transgression that condemnation came. But salvation is dealing with multitudes of transgressions. All of the sins of everybody who comes to Jesus Christ for salvation, all of them are taken away. The sin that they're guilty of in Adam, plus all of their sins. Grace just abounds. Dr. Lloyd-Jones says that God is not parsimonious in his mercy. There's a hymn that people sing. My sins, though they're many, his mercy is more. There's more grace in God than there is sin in me. There's more grace in God towards you than there is rebellion and sin in you towards God. Grace, this abounding, forgiving gift of grace given to God, given to, from God to us. And then as uh, Paul goes on towards the end of the chapter, he, he picks up on this. We're saved in the life of Jesus. The life of Jesus. If when we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son, much more being reconciled we shall be saved from wrath through him, in him, in his life. We share in his death and the fruits of his death. But then we live joined to the risen Christ. The grace of God in giving us life is to bring us to share in the resurrection life of Jesus. Paul says, doesn't he, in Galatians, the life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God. Yet it's not me who lives, it's Christ who lives in me. Christ living in me. That's grace. This indestructible, irreversible resurrection life of Jesus Christ is the life that grace shares with sinners. They're brought from death in Adam to life in Jesus. And it's irreversible, eternal life. So that as death reigned, as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Grace. What a wonderful world the world of grace is. This love of God, this gift of God, this life from God, this pardon from God, this glory with God, It's the world of grace. And we enter it simply through trusting Jesus Christ and Him crucified. He's the door. We go in and we can feast on the world of grace and God's love. Do you know grace? Do you know the grace of God coming to your heart? Is this the world in which you live? Or are you in Adam's dark world of sin dominating death undefeated condemnation enmity with God restlessness which will never ever rest come come to the Lord Jesus God pursuing you chasing you driving you Jesus come to my son come to me through my son well gladly be pursued by God driving you to Jesus
and gladly trust Jesus Christ to save you from sin and death and bring you into this world of God's glory and life and love and peace. May it be so to his glory and your soul's good. Amen. We're going to join and sing together uh, hymn number 12. Well, it's not number 12, it's <laughs> 12 on the list. It's, All I once held dear and built my life upon, all this world uh, reveres and seeks to gain. It's counted loss for Christ to know him. Uh, he's the best. So maybe stand and sing uh, this hymn. <clears throat> Jesus, you said that this is eternal life, to know you, Father, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Grant, gracious Lord, that we would know yourself and God the Father. Gracious Holy Spirit, reveal the things of God to us and make them real and precious to us. Gracious God, be gracious to us, each one, and grant us the fullness of salvation through your beloved Son. May the grace of God, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit remain and abide with us each and every one, now and forevermore. Amen. <laughs>